Well, good morning, church family. What a privilege it is to be with you as a Feb Central Church to open God's Word in my fairly new role as Regional Director of Feb Central Ministries. We are grateful for your prayers and we are grateful for your support. Thank you so much for that. And it is an honor to be with you to share God's Word. The central region of our fellowship is made up of almost 280 churches across Ontario and uh, also English-speaking Quebec. We have a number of churches there in Quebec that are Anglophone churches. Uh, it covers almost a million square kilometers of geography. Uh, our focus is to help the church flourish on mission for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we do that through three central priorities. We do that through church planting, leadership development, and church health. You may not be aware of this, but presently we have, in our church planting department, we have about 30 churches that have either launched or are about to launch, and uh, those churches are being supported by your Feb Central staff and ministry. And uh, in fact, this past fall during COVID, I find this so exciting. We had seven different churches plant, even under COVID, uh, in this past fall, the fall of 2020. And you folks are a partner with us in that mission. We are so grateful uh, for your support and thankful that you stand with us. In fact, during this uh, time, challenging time of COVID-19, we have also been trying to support our churches, our leaders, as they navigate all the adaptations and changes and try to be strategic and on mission for the gospel of Jesus Christ through all of what has been happening in this season. We appreciate your prayers. Please pray for us in an ongoing way as we seek to support and serve our local churches. This morning, I want to take you to a very unique and I think fascinating conversation that Jesus had with one of his disciples just prior to leaving this earth. Jesus was trying to give Peter, and I think all of us, some important critical truths uh, to help us spiritually flourish this side of heaven so that we can really make a difference for God's glory and for the good of others. As you know, living the Christian life is certainly not a walk in the park. It's a spiritual war, in fact. Every day with Jesus is not easier or better than the day before. Uh, we not only have to deal with the everyday stressors of things like COVID-19, but the Bible says we have to wrestle against flesh and blood, a spiritual warfare, the devil and his servants. And certainly that is uh, definitely difficult uh, for all of us. Uh, the Bible describes this as a spiritual war against a powerful enemy with pitfalls and valleys and hills and setbacks and successes. The earliest followers of Jesus Christ quickly came to understand all this. Jesus taught them that uh, some important keys to success in this struggle uh, are important and uh, that we shouldn't lose our focus on mission and our focus on what it means to follow him. Jesus is talking to Peter in this passage we're going to look at in just a moment. And Peter seems distracted, maybe even discouraged. Have you ever been there yourself? Maybe you're there right now. Maybe uh, COVID has helped to get you there. Peter's life had become something about something other than Jesus Christ. 
And Jesus here focuses on what is most needed in Peter's life to flourish. I'm going to be reading from John chapter 21, verses 15 to 22. And just before I do that, let me give you a little bit of context. This is following the resurrection of Jesus. Peter has gone back to fishing, his old job. Uh, Jesus repeats the miracle that he did when he first called Peter to spiritual fishing for men and women. Uh, They have breakfast on the beach. And then Jesus and Peter, it seems, take a walk on the beach and they have this conversation. That's the context for these verses of Scripture from John 21. John 21, 15 to 22. We read, When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, Take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things, and you know that I love you. Jesus said, Feed my sheep. Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your word. And we do pray that as we open it together today, that you would be our teacher, that you would be honored and pleased by our softness of heart to what you want to say to us. May we give you the freedom that you deserve to have in each one of our lives. And may this result, this time that we have together in your word, result in us being more of a reflection uh, of who you are and a witness to our world of who you, you want us to be for you. And so we just ask that you would be pleased, work in our lives, do what only you can by your spirit, We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first truth that Jesus teaches Peter here in these verses is this, that making impact is always about loving Jesus first. Did you notice that in verse 15 and 17, that three times in these verses, Jesus asked Peter if he loves him? I find it fascinating uh, that in verse 15, he actually, it's slightly different. He says this, uh, the first, very first time he asked Peter, do you love me? He says, do you love me more than these? That is, do you love me first? Do you love me in the first place? What's the order of your loves, Peter? Am I first in your life? Three times he asked Peter, do you love me? And three times Peter responds with, Lord, you know my heart and you know that I love you. I think Jesus here is telling Peter that ministry is first about loving him. We sometimes think that ministry and service for God is 
is about our affirmation that we get from others. It's about our performance. It's about our abilities. It's about the rewards now and in eternity. It's about the people that we serve, the sheep, if you will, as Jesus calls them here. But Jesus says that ministry at its deepest level is about loving him. Yes, of course, Jesus is telling Peter and us that if we really love him, we will love what he loves. That is something we'll look at in a moment. Feed my lambs, he says. But we can't miss the point that Jesus is making, that my commitment to serve him is to flow out of my commitment to love him. Peter's biggest issue was his heart. And we can be so busy doing things for God, even doing the right things, doing good things, that it's really not about love for God, about love for Jesus. This is important to see. The motive of our service is as crucial and essential, if not more crucial and essential, than our performance, than our service itself. You know, there's a lot of places I could go in the Bible to illustrate this, but one of the passages that comes to my mind almost immediately is in Revelation chapter 2, where Jesus is celebrating the church at Ephesus. You may remember that description of the church at Ephesus there, and he talks about their wonderful qualities. He commends them for their good deeds, for their hard work, for their perseverance. Church at Ephesus might have been even a candidate for a Church of the Year award. And yet Jesus goes on to say, yet I hold something against you. What is it? You have forsaken your first love. Your first passion, your primary delight in your life is not me, Jesus says. It's something else. Serving God, my friends, is first a matter of delight in God, not simply duty for God. I must kiss my wife, correct? But it's not a dutiful kiss. That's an oxymoron. There is no such thing as a dutiful kiss. I mean, the whole point of the kiss is that I delight in her. Because I love Jesus, I want to obey him. I want to love what he loves. The order is critical, loving him first before I love what he loves. Let me give you a, a brief illustration of this, something I think you could probably relate to. We know and understand this. Say I take my wife on an anniversary celebration to uh, Niagara-on-the-Lake, and I take her down there, and it's a, a beautiful weekend, romantic weekend together. I take her to the Shaw Festival to a play. I take her to the Princess of Wales um, restaurant, and we're eating and, and, and uh, enjoying this beautiful meal together. And my wife begins to thank me, and she is saying how appreciative of all the energy, time, and planning that went into setting up this weekend. And I look at her and I say to her, honey, don't think of it. It was my duty. That's not the answer she wants to hear, is it? And in fact, the romantic weekend is done. It's over at that point. The truth is, she wants to hear that I did all of that planning and I did all of that work because I delight in her. Because she is my love. I love her deeply. And that is the reason and the motivation. I delight in her, not simply my duty. And if that's true, friends, if that's, and, and we understand that, of course that's the way it should be, why then do we accept that mere 
ritual obedience to God is acceptable. Of course, the real command of Scripture is to delight in Him, to love Him with all that we are, our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Of course, we can't miss that Jesus is also saying that if we really love Him, it does change what we love. Go back to the conversation with Peter again here. Do you love me, Peter? Then serve my lambs, serve my sheep. If we really love God, then we will love people. Most of all, God's people. I immediately think of when Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment was. And interesting there, when Jesus was asked what's the greatest commandment, he gives two commandments. He doesn't just give one, he gives two. And of course, you know that passage of Scripture probably pretty well. Love, I just referred to it, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then love your neighbor as yourself. These are the two commands on which really sums up all the Bible, Jesus says. This is really what the whole Bible is about. It's about a vertical relationship of love relationship with God and then horizontally loving others, sharing that love with others. It's really important to realize that Jesus couldn't just give one. He had to give two because you can't really say you love God unless you love people, especially God's people. And yet the order is also critical because you can't really love your neighbor unless you love God first. The order of the loves is as important as the two commands going together. And it doesn't matter what the sheep are really like. Of course, the sheep can be cute, but as someone said, they're not the smartest animal in the world. When is the last time you saw a sheep stunt at a circus? The sheep are valuable, not so much of because of how they perform, but because they're treasured by the shepherd. They are the sheep for whom he died. Although Jesus' words are primarily directed, I believe here, to pastors and spiritual leaders in this text, the principle really is the same for all of us. It is this, that God loves people, not programs or buildings or things. He wants us to use things to love people, not the reverse, not to use people to love things. Friends, service to God has never been about wielding power. It's never been about holding office. It's never been about what the people are like that we serve. It's about loving Jesus and doing that by gently and compassionately loving others toward Jesus. Fruitful ministry then is born out of a heart that loves Jesus Christ first. But if I'm honest, that is not easy. It's hard. It's so easy for it to be about so many other things other than Jesus, especially what I get out of it. What's the reward? What is the opportunity for influence? What is the affirmation? I kind of know now in my life that when I get really stuck in a place of disappointment and discouragement, often it's because my life has become about something other than Jesus. Friends, nurturing your love relationship with Jesus is the most important thing you do for your service and for the people around you. God wants our love for others to come out of this overflow of our love for Him. And here's the really neat thing about that. When that's true, in truth, it's about God's love then in us and through us. That's the first truth, that making impact is always about loving Jesus first. 
Here's the second truth that Jesus teaches Peter in these verses. Making impact is always about keeping our focus on Jesus. If someone was to ask you, do you love me? Uh, That'd be a, a powerful question, wouldn't it? I mean, if your spouse came to you on Boxing Day right after Christmas and said to you, honey, do you love me? That could mean that they actually went out and did a big purchase and they're kind of buttering you up, getting you ready for that, and they're just kind of setting you up. But if they asked you not once, but three times, do you love me? You would know at that point that there's a problem. And there's a problem here for Peter as well. Do you remember that Peter had denied Jesus three times? Peter is broken by the reality that Jesus asked him here three times if he loves him. But it's meant to conjure up and remind Peter of that betrayal. The context is crucial to understand this. Jesus and Peter are most likely on the beach, verse 20, most likely walking with John the Apostle not far behind. Verses 1 through 14 paint a picture of Peter, if you will, off mission. He's gone back to his old job of fishing. Whether he's disillusioned or distracted, we don't really know. But one thing is clear. He's gone back to what he knows and what he feels comfortable with. And Jesus here repeats a miraculous event of a massive catch of fish, which was the actual miracle he did when he first called Peter to become a fisherman of people. When Jesus had originally called Peter to ministry, Jesus is really doing something very purposeful here. He's trying to get Peter back on mission. Jesus is trying to to refocus Peter. Peter, you need to fixate on me. Peter, the job hasn't changed. It's still about loving me. It's still about loving people. I think Jesus knew that the seed of Peter's denial of his betrayal of Jesus would always remain with him, particularly his self-sufficiency and his self-focus. He would battle that throughout his lifetime. It'd be a temptation for him to make it about himself rather than about Jesus. And so Jesus here says, Peter, there's this need for you to focus on a passionate pursuit of me. Keep your eyes locked on me, Peter. What confirms this for me is the final interaction of Jesus with Peter here in verses 18 through 22. You'll notice it there, what happens, Jesus says to to Peter. He says, very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then Jesus said to Peter, follow me. Follow me, Peter. Jesus is really telling Peter, Peter, the road in front of you is not going to be easy. It's not going to be smooth. There's going to be some difficult things you're going to face. And in light of that, the only way you're going to survive this, Peter, is keep your eyes locked on me. Peter, focus on Jesus. Now, I want you to notice Peter's response. In verses 20 and 21, how he responds to this. Peter turns and he saw the disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John the Apostle, was following them. And then verse 21, when Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? 
You must follow me. Interesting, Peter is kind of saying here, you know, Jesus, it isn't fair. Rather than watching Jesus, Peter is now looking at John the Apostle and he's comparing himself with John. And Jesus' response to Peter is, wait a second, don't worry about John. Peter, that's none of your business. Your job is to follow me. You have the same mission to represent and reflect the Savior, but you have different paths. Don't fixate on John's path. Fixate on being faithful on your path. Jesus' invitation to Peter to follow him passionately is implicitly an invitation to all of us who are tempted to be distracted. We have to keep our eyes on Jesus. We need to run our own race, not worry about what everyone else is doing and how they're performing, what's happening in their lives. Folks, the truth is we are only as good as our strong look to Jesus Christ. And so I ask you this morning, where are you looking this morning? Where are you focused? Maybe is it on a spouse? On your government? All things COVID? Is it on your health? Is it on your job? Could even be focused on good things. But Jesus says the primary focus of your life, the fixation of your life needs to be on him. Is that where you're looking today? Here's the big idea for this morning's message. Just like Peter, you and I are only as good as our strong love for and look to Jesus Christ. Here's the best thing that myself or yourself can do as a mom, as a dad, as a spouse, as a friend, as an employee, a leader, a servant of God. Keep short accounts with your Savior and Lord. Come back again and again to loving Jesus passionately and following hard after Him. Don't fixate on your spouse. Don't fixate on your kids or your friendships or your job, or your stuff, or your circumstances, or even your service. Friends, Jesus is the only vision that will sustain us, that will give us the joy and the contentment that we're longing for in our lives and hearts. Our spouse can't be what only God can be to us. Everything but Jesus is broken Only the giver is not broken. All the gifts are beautiful, but broken. Do you see that? Your kids are beautiful, but broken. Your government is beautiful, but broken. Our churches are beautiful, but broken. Your pastors are beautiful, but broken. All of God's gifts are beautiful, but broken. Only the giver can really fully sustain us and fill us with the joy and the contentment that we each long for and need. I hope you see that this morning. This is the only way to be faithful, fruitful, and fulfilled in the Christian life in the long term, to avoid burnout, disillusionment, discouragement in a fallen world. It's to make every day about Jesus. Getting as happy as we can be, in our Savior and Lord every day, and then serving out of that context is the key to flourishing in this life for Jesus.
And what that actually means, friends, is that worship always precedes service. Always precedes service. Delighting in God first is the first calling. And then we will obey Him appropriately, that it's pleasing to Him. Sometimes we're busy striving and working, but it's not about Jesus in me and through me. It doesn't, it's not truly the life of Christ flowing from my life. That only happens when I love Jesus passionately and look to Him in all things. There's a great quote by George Mueller, who was an incredible missionary and evangelist and philanthropist, and he ministered to over 10,000 orphans in his lifetime. And he said this, he said, the first and primary business to which I ought to attend every day is to have my soul happy in the Lord. My prayer for each one here is that you will have this strong and passionate love for Jesus and look to Jesus even in the midst of COVID and that out of that God will bring fruit and fulfillment in your life and that you will enjoy the very life of the living Christ first in you and then through you to make impact on others. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the privilege of opening your word together this morning from John 21. And we do pray, Lord, for each one of our lives that you by your Spirit would help us to see that really that primary business of every day is to find ourselves happy in you, delighting in you, loving you passionately, looking to you strongly. And then, Lord, we know out of that context, you can bring great fruit and great fulfillment in our lives. And so I pray for your blessing on everyone that is listening today, that you would do a great work in their lives, in my life, and that, Lord, through that, you'd bring glory to your name and good to the lives of others. And we pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen.